Kennedy. Welcome to the Candelo Roadshow Radio Hour. This is a show about stories. Stories of searching, stories of living, stories of home. It's a show about stories because stories are the thing that we all have in common. They are the breadcrumb trails left for us and by us, lines that help us find our way to each other, to where we've come from, and to who we are. We all need stories. And this is a show about community, as it is seen and felt and imagined by a ragtag group of songwriters and storytellers who all happen to find themselves living in the same one, on land that belongs to the UN nation, the small country town we call Candelo. Thanks for being here. This is where our stories entwine. last time you went out in the dark and looked up at the night sky, sprawled on your back on a rug in the grass, blanketed by a galaxy, traced your fingers over star shapes, let yourself sink into the wonder about what all is out there and how small in the scheme of things we really are. The cosmos is infinite. Sure, the vastness can make us feel insignificant, challenging our self-importance, our delusions of privilege. We are, after all, as Carl Sagan said, merely a species alive on a moat of dust suspended in a sunbeam. But how incredible is that? To be here on a planet in a universe full of other planets. To be in bodies that are built out of the same stuff as stars. It's mind-blowing, really. The hows and whys of our existence are marvelously perplexing. 
There are questions that, no matter the amount of money or curiosity, we will never have answers to. What we do have, though, are stories. And stories do for us what science cannot. Stories make meaning out of mystery. When the earth was bare and had no living creatures on it, Miriel, the great creator, created Tunku and Nyadi and sent them to earth from the stars above to live on earth and make it their home. Miriel had given them a stick and a stone to help them survive a life on earth and create all things they need to stay alive. Tunku, with his stick and his stone, made tools and weapons to survive on the land. Nyadi used her stone to shape her stick into a digging stick. She began to shape the landscape, digging out deep ravines, gullies and gorges. Throughout the days, Tunku worked away at creating his tools. He became frustrated and mad at the great creator, Miriel, because he had only given Tunku a stick and a stone to create so many tools to survive. He jumped up with his spear in his hand and shook it towards the sky at Miriel, yelling at him, and then threw his spear into the sky towards Miriel. Miriel became enraged at Tunku and grabbed the spear and broke it over his knee and threw it back at Tunku in the shape of a boomerang. That's how the boomerang was created. He then punished Tunku by sending him back up into the stars as the moon. This had happened whilst Nyari was digging up the earth and shaping the barren, lifeless land. She was unaware of what Tunku had done and how Miriel had punished him that day. When it became late in the evening and the sun started to go down behind Gulliga Mountain before the land became dark, Nyadi wondered where her husband was and what he had done during the day. Nyadi began to search for Tunku and began singing out his name, Tunku, Tunku, but she could not hear or find him anywhere and began to worry for him. Nyadi became so worried for her husband 
that she sat quietly, hoping she could hear him or see him in the horizon. As she looked towards the east, she noticed a bright light lifting from the horizon. She looked in awe at the big bright light and watched it rise into the sky. As it rose, she could see the face of her husband, Tunku. Miriala turned Tunku into the moon. When Yari realised this, she chased the moon to try and capture it and bring her husband back to earth. But the moon rose higher and higher into the sky. She climbed Gulliga Mountain to try to capture Tunku. Nyari had climbed to the highest peak to try to grab her husband down. But as she got close enough, he rose higher and higher until she couldn't reach him anymore. Knowing that she could never be with her husband on earth again, she lay down on top of Gulliga Mountain. Nyari's heart was broken and she began to cry and wail. She cried so much. Tears crossed from her eyes and rolled down the side of the mountain. They fell and flowed into those deep ravines and gorges she had dug out that day with her digging stick. The steady trickle of tears soon formed small creeks that turned into streams and rivers that flowed out beyond the horizon, creating guru. The old people say the ocean is salty because they are the tears of Nyari. The rivers of tears gave life to all things on earth. The Wavrata is Nyari's heart that broke that day. She left her heart on the mountain in the form of our beautiful red Wavrata flower. When we go into the bush and see the word Wavratas, it is to remind us of Nyari's heartbreak and loneliness because her husband Tunku was separated from her. One of my favorite places in the whole universe to be is in the company of kids who are wondering about things. All those luminous questions and theories and ideas and guesses about what is and what might be and why that and how come. Genuine curiosity and unpretentious knowing form a brilliant kind of alchemy, don't you think? In pursuit of that sort of ponderous magic, we called on the curiosity of some of Candelo's youngest and finest to help us explore a few of the bigger cosmic questions we had floating around. Our cosmology brains trust was made up of four pairs of siblings, each equipped with a paper bag of homemade cookies, an envelope of questions, a modern-day dictaphone, and an adult-free space to unpack their ideas in. Their stellar insights and 
orbital ruminations are nothing short of galactic. When you look up into the night sky, how does it make you feel? Oh yeah, it makes you feel small. Alone? Like there's so much more places I could be right now, but not scared like alone. Just like, whoa, there's a lot of stuff up there. For me, it really makes me feel quite small because all of those stars out there are about a hundred times bigger than me. I just feel so small when I look up and see myself in comparison to those big stars. Ah, it makes me feel tiny because there's so many like heaps of stars and the moon is like and tiny compared to all this. I feel overwhelmed, but like flabbergasted. <laughs> Alright, second question. How fast is a beam of light? If you could walk as fast as a beam of light, how long would it take to walk to the sun? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know either. <laughs> okay. That would as a beam of light. Probably a few seconds, because like Beamer's flights, like they're pretty fast, right? Uh, I don't know about this one. I don't know if it would be like weird to say seconds, minutes, hours, or days, or years. I don't know, light is really fast, like yeah. a beam of light. Beam of light is at the speed of light, right? So if I could walk as fast as a beam of light, it would probably take maybe, I don't know, at least a minute, probably more. Maybe a few minutes, actually. I would say a few minutes. Yeah, so maybe a couple seconds or something. Tell me everything you know about gravity. Uh, well, I know that it keeps the Earth spinning and it keeps us on the Earth and keeps us from flying away. Well, I guess gravity is what keeps us down on the ground and what makes waves. It's magnetic and it pulls you to the ground. And if there wasn't any gravity, we go floating up into the sky and never return. The moon has gravity as well, but not as, as much. As much. So um, that's why you can jump really far on the moon. What is a constellation? Do you have a favourite one? Nope. What's a constellation? No idea. Wow, since constellations are like patterns that are in the stars. Oh, I didn't know that. I guess it's a constellation, the emu, that like, when the stars go together, I read this in a book called Young Dark Emu, but like, there was a picture and it was of the stars, and then in the depths of the stars, it's an emu. I guess that's kind of a constellation, not really a constellation, but... I really like that. It's the big one that looks like a saucer. The flying spoon. No. It's like the Big Dipper or something. Yeah, the Big Dipper, I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah. I really don't know any. Um, <laughs> probably a dragon there's one. There's a pan one. Well, there's probably a dragon one. <laughs> if there's a dragon <laughs> one, then that one. What makes the moon glow? Hmm. Good question. <laughs> Good question. Um, maybe because of the 
like the atmosphere when it's around something that close it makes it glow well i think that it's like inside because the surface is actually hot and the outside is cold i'm pretty sure yeah that's correct unless it's the other way around and um so inside it there must be something like lava or probably not lava but fire or something um well maybe there's a city on the moon maybe people have a two lights where people live there and they're just turning their lights on all night maybe the moon's so big that you can't miss it something to do with the sun probably <laughs> yep the sun the sun i don't know anyway i don't really know about that so. all right so here's a scientific explanation the sun actually reflects on the moon which makes the moon look like it's glowing and you know how there's eclipses sometimes yeah that's when the earth gets in between the sun and the moon and so and so you can't see the moon because, because the sun's not there to reflect on it yeah that actually Does makes that make sense yeah yeah is space cold hot wet dry full empty can you bottle space that's actually a really good question. I guess, can you bottle space? If you opened a bottle, would it fill up and then you just close it and bring it back down to Earth? So I guess you're probably good. But would your bottle float away? Not if you grabbed it. <laughs> I don't think you could. Space is a vacuum, so it's kind of... It can bottle us. Really. <laughs> I feel like it's full and cold. It's like you've eaten a big meal and then you got really cold. I know that it's cold and empty. And no, you can't bottle it. <laughs> <laughs> um, in my opinion, I don't think you can bottle space either. But I think space is... It's not... I don't think it's dry, but it it's definitely full and not empty because it's got all these different planets and also... I think it is cold, hot and wet because of the different um, temperatures that all the planets have, they probably can make a warmth thing, but it's not actually that warm, hot, wet or cold. That's just my opinion. How far away is space? I think space is everywhere. Well, that's a good question, like... If you go flying up and up and up, I feel like you never get there. Like, when I look at the clouds, not space, just the clouds, it looks so close. I feel like I just jump up and grab them. I would say about a sky away. Okay, that makes sense. An interesting one. Space is actually not that far away when I come to think of it. It seems so far away because it's really hard to get there. You have to go through astronaut training and stuff, but it's actually not that far. If it were on land, you could probably drive there. It's the, there was something about like the amount of time it goes to like Sydney. Less than it takes to get to Sydney. Oh yeah, I'm pretty sure it takes six hours to get into space. Except you're in a rocket. True. If you could travel to anywhere in the night sky, pick three of your must-visit locations. Well, you know how there's 
an emu in the sky and the stars. I'd like to probably definitely visit the Milky Way. Yeah. Wonder what it would be like. Oh, imagine directly above our house. What it would be like. So I guess I'd visit directly above our house. Well, I have to say I'd like to go to the Oort Cloud, which is a pretty cool cloud of stardust on the edge of our solar system and in photos it looks really cool. Also I'd like to go to the solar system above ours and I'd like to go check out the planets up there. Mm. New planet. Another new planet. The and newest planet that has been found. Probably a planet with aliens on it that don't try to kill me. So I'll go to Pluto, another Earth-like place, and then I'll use my last travel-length thing to get back to Earth. See what I'm thinking? You would be stuck there. You see, you just, like, use the last one to get back. And then you don't have a hard decision. Stars sometimes explode. Not often, but why do they? Um... They explode because they all the light in, in them compacts and gets too big for it to hold, I think, and it just can't hold it, so it has to let go of all of this stuff. But it takes a while to do that because there's a spa has so much space inside it. Because they get too hot. Uh, sometimes because of black holes and maybe always it's because of black holes and I'm not really sure. And, well, oh wait, no, they get too old and then they explode. They get create a supernova old. and then something else happens. Oh, if they get hit by a supernova, they explode? Uh, no, the supernova is them exploding. They're old and they're one million years old and they're just, their time is similar. Like, you know, not someone dying, but, you know. Why do they explode? My guess would be that it just burns up and there's nothing left to, to burn. So it just goes out. The stars get bigger and bigger and then they explode. When they get too big, they explode. It's like a human. If you eat too much, you explode. <laughs> oh. <laughs> What is a shooting star? Have you seen one? What happened? I've actually never seen a shooting star. Okay. A couple of things. Maybe an opportunity to make a wish. Or a flying rock that has fire going behind it, like jets. <laughs> I can kind of imagine it sometimes like people as a star person in the car and then just press the accelerator and flies off. distance. <laughs> <laughs> I saw one, and we had just come back from the bush dance. And I was looking up at this guy, and I saw this star in there, so it just went, and, like it was going quite fast, and then it just vanished. So, shooting star. It is a meteor that goes flying through the sky, and supposedly gives you good. No, it gives you a wish. It makes you feel good, though. A shooting star is. Um, I don't know why they shoot. And it's sort of like they're these real, like they go really fast because of the energy that heats up. The little ball goes on fire, so it's 
we're like shooting down and it just looks so cool. What type of cheese is the moon made of? <laughs> moon cheese. <laughs> moon cheese. Rock cheese. Rock cheese. No, not any cheese. It's made of rock. No, no cheese, no cheese, no cheese, no cheese. <laughs> no, no cheese, no cheese, no cheese. I always expected the moon to be white, so maybe feta? Feta? <laughs> but I also imagined that when the moon is like a shadow of it and it's like the shape of half a moon, I expect it to have holes. Like when you draw cheese, sometimes they have holes. Swiss cheese? Yeah. The moon's made of cheese? Since yeah, we, when? We had no idea. <laughs> Let's just move on to the next question. Doesn't matter. Do you think there is life on other planets? Yes. Yes! Because it's proven on Mars or Jupiter. I think it's one of them. Because there was meant to be a river that had been there like years before. Um, I looked on TikTok and it said that there is, um... <laughs> uh, there's another planet uh, that looks almost identical to um, Earth. Um... You don't believe me, do you? Yes. They're not particularly aliens. Like, there's so much out there. There's got to be someone else living up there. Yeah, I guess so. You can't... You don't know how far space goes for. Yeah. I think, like, there's so many planets and so many stars. Well, maybe not that many planets, but... Anyway, um, there has to be something living... There has to be something else living on there. I think there. I think there is, yeah. Well, yes. There is life on the moon because people have gone up there, but they haven't lived, so I'm not sure if that still counts as life. So um, there's, is there vegetation, aliens? Well, I don't exactly know about aliens, but <laughs> I don't think there is. And I know there's no vegetation. Veggies or anything. Um, so I don't know about aliens either, but I think there would definitely be some sort of life on another planet in the universe. Because I mean, it's so big. The chances of there being no life at all is like almost zero. Maybe about a ten. I mean, five. Yeah, but it's an interesting concept as well.
When I look up at the night sky, the earth beneath me feels steadier. The noise inside of me grows quieter. All those busy thoughts that swell in the daylight, my questions, my worries, my grand ambitions, they somehow lose their relevance. Under the stars, I feel connected to history across distance. Under the changing moon, I remember that life, that I, move in cycles, not lines. Under the sprawl of the galaxies, I feel small. Like a short sentence in a vast and expansive story. When I look up at the night sky, I know that I belong. Here. On this speck of dust we call home. Surrounded by stories, wilderness, song. And it feels good. I am standing, I under, am the standing under the skies of Darwal country. Of country. The, and I'm right now I am under standing the under the skies of the Pyrenees Mountains between France and Spain. I am standing under the moon of Haifa, Israel. I am standing under a full I'm moon in the night skies of, Canada, of Darkenjan country right now. In Treaty 1 territory I where the Red and Assiniboine rivers meet. I am standing under the skies meet. of Wondry and Wetheron country. I am My feet under are standing on the Darkenjans. Of the Anishinaabe, in what is now I am Eagle standing Lake, under the skies Ontario, of the Anishinaabe, Canada. Specifically I'm on the, the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe, and I'm on the balcony in a hammock on my mom's at my mom's house, looking up at the sky. I am standing under the skies of you and country. When I look up at the night sky, I feel. Insignificant, like a dot on a planet in the middle of the universe, like an ant, small and yet important. When I look up at the night, I experience a duality of feeling. One is of being totally insignificant and tiny. And the other is of being part of something so great. And the sense of importance slash sense of insignificance is really beautiful to me. Um, I think about it a lot and the sky is part of that to me. When I look up at the night sky, I see a bunch of stars fighting to be the brightest in the sky. It reminds me of us as people, trying to be the brightest at everyone, like usual. And the thing is, I hope that one day we as people realise that we are all the same. And even though some of us shine brighter or look different, we are all the same on the inside. And that's what really counts. It really does. Instead of trying to outdo each other, 
if we could work together, this place or world would be at peace like the stars are. And I hope I get to see that in my lifeline. When I look up at the night sky, I see a crescent moon and stars splashed across my vision. I see soft clouds moving in a snake form across my field of vision. And I see smoke from the campfire in I front of me. I see the glow of a fire. Rising up to meet those not clouds. Far from me. And I see friends of yesterday. I never feel alone. Sparkling down. I know that each star is but a campfire where my ancestors sit and watch over me. When I look up into the night sky, I find home. Love and their unwavering support. I'm standing under a clear sky in Ewan country on a ridge overlooking Tantawanglo towards Bemboka. I can hear frogs in the little dam nearby. And to my left, there's a gentle breeze in the forest. The escarpment of wilderness stretches far to the north and then turns east towards the coast, making a horizon of layers of mountain peaks. There's a sliver of a moon that's bright enough for me to make all these features out in layers of varying shades of deep blue, almost black. The sole sign of human settlement is just three dots of artificial light dispersed very widely and insignificant. They're overwhelmed by the magnitude of the land, which seems to hum with an energy. Above me, the Milky Way is splashed across this vast sky like a cloudy sash. If I crane my neck and look directly above me with my feet apart and balanced, I imagine myself being at the very top centre of the planet, as if the Earth was a ship and I'm standing right there at the bow, facing directly into Earth's trajectory through the universe, expanding into infinity. When I look up at the night sky, I see stars and the moon, and I feel calm. When I look up at the sky, I always and firstly search for the moon, for it speaks to me with so many words, and no words at all. I see and think of an ocean that just never ends. I feel privileged to live life, and I try to be aware about it. When I look up at the nighttime sky, I wonder about how bright the stars could be. A starless night with a blue ocean in the sky. When I look up at the night sky, I can see my ancestors ever shining, turning, contemplative and curious about me as I am of them. We twirl our thoughts together, a wonder of energetic particles. We shimmer in the eyes of a bright moon. Three, two, one, go. When I look up in the sky, uh, night sky, I can see a thousand stars shining bright underneath, uh, and up in front of me, and all and darkness around them. 
I can hear wind and which is nice and calming and fresh. I can feel um I can feel it all nice and calming and it's like someone put a big bunch they brought out a nightlight of all the stars and put it up in the sky. Uh, last night when I looked up at the night sky the um the sky was totally blackened very dark and out of that darkness popped all these sparkling little lights twinkling stars shapes and constant light from planets and even a shooting star it was so brilliant all these little lights and planets sort of steady glow beaming down to earth on us all and quite wondrous really when i look up at the night sky i'm reminded how small i am in the universe and it takes me back to being small particularly when i would go out camping with a fishing rod on the riverbank with my dad my dad rex and those great times we had through the new england and he would tell me about the stars by the campfire and point out the saucepan and the southern cross and it was a magical time and it makes me want to have more of those days again i i miss those times when i look up at the night sky i feel insignificant and that's in a good way when I look up at the night sky, it makes me think about the myriad forms of life all over this planet of ours. And it makes me wonder about what other life is going on in other places in the universe. And yes, when I think about stars, when I think about planets, I think about what's going on in all of those places. When I look up at the night sky, I don't know what to think. It's so immense and far away. And I know there's lots of brilliant minds across time that have looked up and asked questions and looked for meaning and wondered what's out there and where it all began. And I just have to recognise when I look up that my mind is not wired for such things and it's all a mystery, incomprehensible to me, but it's spectacular. So I just have to look up and appreciate the beauty that I see and feel. And that's enough for me. I feel the space above and beyond me expand. I feel so small. My thoughts drift to the endlessness of the universe, the eternity, things my mind cannot comprehend. I'm in awe and wonder of what's up there. Dark. Mysterious. Wonderful. I slowly lose my sense of self, overwhelmed and awed by the brilliant scintillating points of light. It's wonderful to be in awe. There is no beginning, no end, only here and now. When I look at the night sky, I look at the vastness, 
the all-encompassing vastness of that night sky. And I close my eyes and I'm drawn to that vastness. And I can just lose myself and allow that vastness to embrace me. And I am one. I'm looking up at the night sky. I'm going to lie down on the well cap. And it's clear. There's a tree obscuring part of the sky. And when I look up at the night sky, I think about the relationship between time and distance. I'm not, I'm not an astronomer, but I know that the light that's reaching my eyes from all of the stars above me isn't the light of now. It's the light of years and years and probably thousands or millions of years ago. Some of the stars that I'm looking at probably emitted this light who knows when before humans were on the earth, before humans were a species, maybe when dinosaurs were walking on the earth. So when I look at this starlight looking down at me, it's coming from a distance, but it's also coming from time, which is kind of a weird thing to think about, that time is distance. So when I look up at this field of stars in the sky and think that it's God knows when, when that light was emitted, it kind of freaks me out. When I look up at the night sky, I feel grounded by a constant moon, soothed by its reliable evolutions and enthralled to an entity that is so far away but also exerts such influence on our individual lives, even just with its presence alone. What I love about the moon is how it changes, and it not only changes, it changes shape, but it changes where it is in the sky. And when I look up at the night sky, I also see different stars connecting and making different patterns, shapes, objects, animals, people, and many more. And it just makes me feel like I am connected to those stars somehow, in some way. The moon tugs at the waters, both great and small. If she can turn the tide of a sea, think of what her machinations are upon the humors of our bodies. It would be folly to think that we are beyond that influence. When I look up at the night sky, I feel my whole body, mind, and heart expand. It reminds me that there are infinite possibilities here on Earth. When I look at, up at the night sky, I wish I was an owl soaring through the sky. My name is Rye. Soaring through the sky, Rye. When I look up at the night sky, I wonder if you are too. What are you seeing? The layers of clouds like a wash on a watercolor painting? Or is your sky a clear, crisp shade of a blackberry? 
Stars dotted, no, smattered, like the freckles on a summer face. How about your moon? What does that look like for you? Large and in charge, or more of a mere shard that looks like it could just shatter into a million pieces at the blink of an eye. How do you feel about your moon? Do you stare longingly in admiration, awe, curiosity, confusion? Or are you more of a constellation gazer? Does the moon inspire you? Does it make your mind shift with throughout its cycles? Maybe you're more of an indoor skybird, appreciating the darkness and stars and moon from a space you call your own. Books and drawings and walls masking the vastness of the solar system above. Looking up at the night sky without feeling small. Observing what it's like to control your sense of the world around you rather than having it swallow you whole. Yes, noting the small things, the things one cannot see or touch. Things like electrons firing to create light energy. Jumping between valence shells, jumping between atoms. The shimmer of the blue and orange tinted gases making Venus appear alive through the telescope lens. Or how fun it would be to live in a crater on the moon. When I look up at the night sky, I am an architect or a scientist or my own combination thereof. Either way, when I look up at the night sky, I will never look down.
Thanks for being here and tuning in. Songs and stories always taste better when shared. This episode of the Candelo Roadshow Radio Hour featured the melodies of Jinima Yiliga, Tamlin McGee, Melanie Horsnell, Robin Martin, Kate Burke, Pete Wilde, Heath Cullen, Sam Martin, and David Ross McDonald. With special thanks to Tamsin Davison and Cheryl Davison for sharing the story of Tunku Unyadi. To the Cosmic Kids Brains Trust. Toby, Emily, Raven, Mali, Mabel, Elsa, Gypsy, and Harmony. As well as the night sky gazers from all over the world who shared their thoughts with us. And as always, our gratitude to the community and creatures of Candelo for supplying the never-ending soundtrack that keeps us singing. We are honored to live, work, and create this podcast on you and country. We acknowledge that this land was never ceded. This always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Big thanks to the New South Wales government whose financial support through Create New South Wales has made the making of the Candelo Roadshow Radio Hour possible. I'm Ray Kennedy. Thanks again for listening.